Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, perhaps no one was more disheartened and angered by the U.S. military's botched exit from Afghanistan than those who served in that region. Hancock County Veterans Services is hosting a Yellow Ribbon Town Hall to help them process those emotions. We'll learn more. Also this morning across the country, the businesses that communities need most are the ones that have been hardest hit by the effects of the pandemic, with many continuing to struggle for survival, which is why buy local is more important now than ever. And the cooler days and fall colors, some of the best reasons to explore the outdoors in the month of October with the Hancock Park District. We'll learn what's happening in the parks. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, September 28th, 2021. Today is gold lining day. Uh, Look at the gold lining, not the silver lining, the gold lining. Uh, Whatever happens to you today, just remember to look look for the gold lining. Uh, It is World Rabies Day, International Right to Know Day, National Drink Beer Day. (laughs) You drink enough beers, it'll help you find the gold lining to... (laughs) Whatever happens to you today. National Good Neighbor Day. Do a uh, good turn for your neighbor today. Be a good neighbor. National Strawberry Cream Pie Day. Maybe give your neighbor a strawberry cream pie. Not in the face. Um, You get the idea. And it is Read a Child a Book You Like Day. Have you ever done that? Have you ever shared uh, one of your favorite books when you were a kid with your kid? Today would be the day to do that. So some of the uh, reasons to celebrate today. Um, So speaking of uh, kids, it is time to start asking your kids what they want to be for Halloween. And good news, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, says trick or treat is a big old thumbs up this year. CDC Director Rachel Walensky was on TV on Sunday and said children can safely trick-or-treat this Halloween. Well, thank you, Rochelle. Uh, She said, uh, I wouldn't necessarily go to a crowded Halloween party, but if you're uh, trick-or-treating outdoors, absolutely. She said, I think we should be able to let our kids go trick-or-treating in small groups, and I hope we can do that this year. Well, all right then. So... Trick or treat is uh, just fine. We've got the green light from the CDC. <laughs> I know that's what we are all waiting for, right? The CDC to give us the green light for a trick or treat. <clears throat> all right. Some of the other uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories uh, to uh, start off your morning. Speaking of, you know, you know, it follows trick or treat. You get into the cooler weather, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and so on. You might want to avoid watching. TV shows or movies set in cold climates. Researchers have found that people who watched a wintry video were more likely to identify with high-calorie foods or crave high-calorie foods. Now, there is a whole way that this article goes into the way they tested this, but suffice to say... That people who watched wintry videos suddenly had on their on their minds high calorie food. Scientists suggest scientists say this suggests people link high calorie foods and survival to wintry environments. It is believed that uh, people developed a response to protect them against periods of food scarcity back in the caveman days. And even though we no longer need to bulk up in the colder months. It is an ancient instinct that our brains have not developed a more appropriate response to yet. So, in other words, when it gets cold and we are craving those comfort foods, which are usually high-calorie foods, we should, I guess, instead think warm thoughts of uh, beaches and uh, <laughs> Bermuda beaches, swimming pools, and and that kind of thing. And that will keep us from putting on those extra pounds in the winter. Now, it should be pointed out that this is research out of Iceland. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. It did come from Iceland, of all places. But uh, kind of interesting. Uh, This is uh, big news. 
We want to make sure that we share the biggest news of the day with you first and foremost this morning because it is very important and this may be the most important story of the day to share with you this morning. Lime Skittles are back and green apple Skittles are out after eight years. Uh, well, let's try this eight years after being replaced temporarily with green apple Skittles says both the original and sour packs of their product will now feature orange, lemon, strawberry, grape, and lime flavors. Lime Skittles making their return. Lime actually was the standard green Skittle flavor from the time the candy was introduced in 1979 until it was changed to green apple in 2013. Original flavor packs featuring lime will start appearing on shelves in October of 2021. So here in just a couple of weeks, national rollout over the coming months once the supply of green apple has been exhausted. So big, big news there. (laughs) Make sure that you, you know, lime Skittles are back is good news. Speaking of foods. Kind of interesting here, the president of South Korea, Moon Jae-in, is suggesting that the nation pass a law banning the tradition of consuming dog meat. According to the presidential spokesperson in South Korea, about one million dogs are consumed annually as part of South Korean cuisine. The practice has been condemned among younger generations of South Koreans, but it remains common among older folk in that country. A poll commissioned last year by the Human Society found 84% of South Koreans will not eat dog meat. 60% supported a legislative ban on the practice. And uh, President Moon asked the Prime Minister... Kim Bu uh, Kim Bu hasn't the time come to prudently consider prohibiting dog meat consumption. Uh, this all happened. Uh, this conversation happened in a weekly meeting on Monday yesterday, according to several international media outlets. The full exchange, however, was not provided to the media. So, what the prime minister said in response, we don't know. But uh, the president of South Korea says it is time to, and I think. That uh, and, and just kind of on a serious note here, I, I think that might be a, a good move for South Korea, if for no other reason, but the public relations image of the country, because even though the majority of South Koreans do not consume dog meat, that that is one of the things that others, uh, those in other countries in the West um, think is. An impression that that we have, I think many people have, of South Korea that is um, uh, rather unsavory. And so perception being as important, if not more important than reality, uh, banning the consumption of dog meat would go a long way to busting that uh, perception, I think. So be interesting to see what happens with that. A couple of other uh, interesting stories among the first things you need to know. This morning, you've been following the uh, fires out west. The Fawn Fire in Northern California is the um, is the latest when it is consumed over eighty five hundred acres and is sixty uh, percent contained at this point. Um, the uh, fire ignited last Wednesday and check this out. I saw this on the uh, newswire court documents say that the Fawn Fire was started by arson, uh, they have in, in custody a suspect who they believe started the fire by boiling bear urine. I kid you not, that's what it says. He was boiling bear urine when he started the fawn fire. Charging documents say that, and yes, he is under arrest, 30-year-old Alexandra Su- uh, Suvernerva Suvernerva accidentally started the fire as she is she it's an Alexandra I thought I'm sorry they thought it was Alexander it's she Alexandra she was boiling 
the bear urine to drink. I didn't know that you could do that. I don't know that I would try it. <laughs> but uh, she pleaded not guilty to arson charges this past Friday. So, <clears throat> man. Uh, remind me not to go over uh, for a barbecue at uh, Alexandria Sunernerva's uh, house anytime soon. If you get an invitation, <laughs> probably no. Wow, what would make you? Th- what would make you think you could do that? Is that is that like a well-known survivalist tip or something? I'm not into the whole survivalist uh, mindset thing. I, I I don't know, but I had no idea that this was even a thing. Is this a thing? Man. <clears throat> okay, then. And speaking of uh, things that you really shouldn't drink, a medical journal, uh, the Clinics and Research in Hepatology and Gastroenterology, the medical journal, uh, I know you have a uh, subscription to that, I'm sure, um, as I do. I read it every single week, month, whatever. Whenever I can get my hands on it. And uh, I saw this. The uh, medical journal describes how a Chinese man has died after drinking one and a half liters of Coca-Cola in 10 minutes. You know, you buy the uh, Coke in the two liter bottles. Imagine drinking three fourths of that in 10 minutes. The 22 year old, the journal says, uh, downed the soda to stay cool. Um, but instead later reported to a hospital in Beijing with severe stomach pain. After conducting tests, hospital staff say the buildup of gas in his intestine and a portal vein prevented oxygen from reaching his liver. And despite efforts to help relieve the pressure, the man died 18 hours later. So let that be a word of warning to you. Don't do that. Some experts say that the uh, so does probably not the determining factor, but a contributing factor to his death, probably exasperating a, con- uh, a condition that he already had, like a bacterial infection of some kind. But still, uh, more reason not to overdo it on the soda. Three quarters of a two liter bottle in 10 minutes. Man. And uh, lastly, I don't know if you happen to see this, but it's worth uh, pointing out. uh, If you bought a Powerball ticket for uh, yesterday's drawing, you don't have to worry about checking your numbers. You were not a big winner. There was no grand prize uh, last night's drawing. That means tomorrow night's jackpot now be worth $570 million. $570 million. Do you buy uh, Powerball or Mega Millions tickets when the jackpot gets up? What is your threshold? For the jackpot, does it have to be above X amount of dollars and is half a billion dollars enough (laughs) or are you waiting for it to go higher? I'm not going to buy a ticket now. I'm just waiting for it to go higher. Five hundred seventy million dollars in the uh, Powerball. So anyway, just thought I would uh, point that out. There you go. Some of the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast. Sunny skies today with a high in the mid-70s. Clear skies tonight, a low in the mid-50s. The Hancock County Farm Bureau and the United Way of Hancock County are inviting people to learn more about agriculture and its impact in Hancock County by signing up for the new program, Ride with a Farmer. The United Way's Heather Heilman says this is a great opportunity for people to connect with a local farmer. Take a ride while they're doing some of their active harvesting work and learn more about preparation, harvesting, what happens after harvest. You get a real feel for what takes place this time of year when we're seeing all these combines and other um, equipment out in the field. The $25 riding fee will be matched by the Hancock County Farm Bureau and donated to the United Way of Hancock County's Halt Hunger Initiative. You can learn more about the new program and how to sign up on our website. The Hancock County Veterans Service Office is holding a Yellow Ribbon Town Hall meeting tonight. Veterans, military families, employers, and community members who want to support our veterans are encouraged to attend the meeting. The town hall will be held at the Old Millstream Center at the Hancock County Fairgrounds beginning at 7 o'clock tonight. An Ohio native and Ohio State University graduate is continuing to clean up on the game show Jeopardy. 
37-year-old Matt Emodio crossed the million-dollar milestone in winnings Friday night. Only Ken Jennings and James Holzhauer have won more than Emodio, each winning over $2 million. Emodio has won 28 straight games. Holzhauer had 32 and Ken Jennings sits at the top with 74 straight wins back in 2004. Originally from the Cleveland suburb of Medina, Emodio graduated from Ohio State University before heading to New Haven, Connecticut. He is now a computer science student at Yale. Angela Ann, ONA News. The city of Findlay says the income tax department is in the process of issuing several thousand delinquent filing notices to Findlay area taxpayers for potential past due municipal income tax returns. The city says individuals and businesses will want to respond to the notices promptly to avoid estimated tax liabilities, costly collection measures and higher penalty and interest charges. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, certainly everyone had a reaction to the recent exit from Afghanistan, the way the military uh, left that country. And... There are a lot of adjectives to describe that particular exit. Botched, I think, was one of the uh, biggest ones that you hear time and time again. Uh, And it it certainly uh, sparked a reaction in many people, but perhaps no one was more uh, disheartened, maybe in some cases angered by the way that was handled than those who have served in that region. And this evening, Hancock County Veterans Services is hosting a Yellow Ribbon Town Hall to help those individuals and others process those emotions. Nicole Coleman is uh, with us uh, from Hancock County Veterans Services. And uh, first thing to point out is that this is not necessarily specifically for the military. I mean, obviously, it's kind of geared that way. Hancock County Veterans Services, that's where you, uh, you know, who you cater to. But this really is for everyone. right? Yeah, just like any other town hall meeting. It's yeah. for anyone who is who yeah. is in this community uh, our obviously our primary focus is mm-hmm. veterans that serve, but not just those who served in Afghanistan. The really interesting thing is how this has impacted and triggered the Iraq veterans, the Vietnam veterans, mm-hmm. just those remembering. Well, you served in uh, Desert Storm uh, originally, so was there some reaction that you had when you watched some of these images? Well, I think for me, honestly, I thought more about how it was triggering my dad, who's a Vietnam vet, mm. um, because sure. I didn't, Absolutely. I didn't see the same kinds of mm-hmm. withdrawal, right? Issues right. or, um, yeah. you know, it was much different when correct. that conflict ended, right? Certainly, yeah. Um, but for the Vietnam veterans and now the Afghanistan veterans, really mm-hmm. seeing that there's a there's a definite end. Yeah. And then what was happening in the country mm-hmm. as as we were exiting. Well, and I know, yeah, for a lot of folks who not just served in Afghanistan, but but really served and, and poured uh, everything they had into the war on terror uh, with the idea of we were making this a better place for these people to live to then see uh, much of that just collapse in such a short amount of time. Uh, certainly trigger a reaction in that respect right. as well. And so what what gave me this idea was there is an, there was an American Legion down south, I think North or South Carolina that mm-hmm. did an event similar to this and I read about it. Yeah. And in their event they just talked about how important it was for veterans to feel heard, feel validated and for what they said, what they thought, what they felt to not be right. And mm-hmm. not be wrong, mm-hmm. but for there to be a place where they can say what they're thinking and what they're feeling right. out loud mm-hmm. and to feel heard. And what they found, and, and I have definitely witnessed this in conversations I've had with veterans, is when one person says what they're thinking and feeling out loud and they see someone else nodding yeah. in agreement, yeah. they feel like they're not alone anymore, mm-hmm. whereas before... Maybe they did feel like, well, am I the only one who is mm-hmm. feeling this frustration? Right. Or, um, and the other thing that has been really interesting in the conversation, so I facilitate a group weekly called Veterans Discovering New Life. And since the end of August, we've had a lot of conversations. 
And um, it's really interesting that we are able to have really open conversations with people who feel differently mm-hmm. about should the refugees come here or should they not? Yeah. And it's not right or wrong for you to think yeah. and feel those things. This is uh, this is such a delicate conversation, too, in many respects, because so much of this is intertwined in politics. I right. mean, uh, no one believes that the, the decisions that were made, uh, and this is part of... And this is kind of this is kind of the conversation that I've had with my wife and my sons, who are both veterans uh, as well as many people know. Um, this is one of the downsides of having civilians in control of the military at the highest levels. I mean, we know why constitutionally that is the case, mm-hmm. but it's one of the dangers of having civilians and in many cases politicians making the ultimate decisions with the military. This gets very intertwined in politics. It it can. It definitely can. Yeah. And I think, you know, we actually have talked about this in group as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, that's why you have the the chief of staffs and the mm-hmm. you know, all of all of the leaders and the advisors and right. you know, we all But keywords hope keywords that advisors, we, not necessarily decision makers. Correct. Yeah. And uh, you know, and we hope that they are able to be heard mm-hmm. by the person they're and advising. convince the powers right. that be. Yeah. Um, but this <clears throat> this event really is so that we can provide that place where people can say those things out loud. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I really hope that it can teach us how to have conversations about things that are black, white, and gray. Mm-hmm. And that it's okay for us to be a room full of people that have really different feelings. Yeah. And, and you find that that is the case even within the military community, because I think sometimes the the military veterans, the military community is uh, painted with a broad brush as though everybody agrees uh, on one course of action or uh, shares one set of political beliefs. And that may or may not be the case, especially on an individual issue by issue basis. Exactly. You know, because we are this melting pot. Right. You know, we are. Yeah. From all over the country and in a lot of cases all over the world Mm -hmm. um, with lots of different backgrounds and religions and uh, politics and everything. And we learn to come together, support one another, move forward. And so we are tonight, we're going to talk about resilience programs that we offer to support veterans I've talked about those here with you before, GI Mm -hmm. Tunes, Guitars for Vets, Veterans Discovering New Life. Um, We also will talk about some different resiliency tips and tools. So these are things that will be valuable for anyone in the room, Mm -hmm. uh, teaching people how to, um, you know, we, we use the analogy of, if you get dropped by circumstances today, are you going to splat like an egg or bounce like a tennis ball? Yeah. And the more resiliency tools you have in your life, the better you are going to be at bouncing mm-hmm. back from, you know, whatever that set of circumstances right. is. And for the rest of us, because as you mentioned, this is open not just to veterans who have served uh, in Afghanistan or in the war on terror even, but really uh, all veterans and then the broader community uh, welcome to attend as well. Also drives home the point for the rest of us that these things that maybe we don't necessarily draw the connection to can be, in some cases, triggering events or can, um, even if not a, a quote-unquote triggering event, can uh, provoke strong reactions, strong emotions. Absolutely. So that's number one. Yes. And, you know, one of the really interesting conversations that that I've had with some veterans since the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan is um, a Vietnam veteran said to me, no one has ever asked me about my military service. Hmm. And if the word Vietnam comes up in a conversation and I'm around, yeah. people look at me and then hurry up and change the subject as yeah. if it's a taboo conversation. And mm-hmm. he said, I don't, I don't understand why that is. And so we, we had some really open conversation. And maybe it is just that people who aren't familiar with military life yeah. don't know how to have the conversation. So that's one of the things we want to talk about tonight is Mm -hmm. here are some great questions you can ask military people 
to have a conversation with them because we like to talk about our military service. Right. And uh, also, it is difficult for civilians, for those who have never served, to talk about military issues with those with that kind of experience because we don't know what exactly to say or how deep into this to to go for a lot of folks. Exactly. So, yeah. And, and then also for the general public, uh, I, I think what the benefit will be and there's been an awful lot of talk about this since the uh, withdrawal from afghanistan is that this doesn't invalidate the work that those individuals did and uh, nor does it invalidate how the rest of us feel about the those uh, individuals service exactly yeah so we have we have a new guy in our office he's the resiliency operations manager his name's ed and he was telling me, because we were having this conversation, and he was telling me that if a, if a firefighter goes into a building, mm-hmm. he's told there is a family in the building, he goes into the building to rescue them, he dies in the building, and then come to find out the family had already escaped from the building. That does not invalidate his heroism. His heroism. Yeah. In any way. Yeah. He had Same a job again. to do. He went and did it. And the one thing that I have been telling the veterans who served during the global war on terrorism is two things. The number one goal was to keep terrorism from our country. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a terrorist attack Mission since nine yeah. eleven. Thank you very much. I mm-hmm. appreciate that. Yeah. Two, the for twenty years the people in that country have lived a better life. That's an entire generation of people yeah. who have lived a better life. And we do not yet know how that will impact the future right. of that country. And it may, we may not know for years, but there may sometime down in the future be some event that we can trace back to, hey, that's the reason we were there. Exactly. We hope so anyway. Exactly. And we did our so, job. Yeah. So the uh, town hall, the Yellow Ribbon Town Hall is uh, tonight, seven o'clock, right? Tonight, seven o'clock at the Old Millstream Center at the fairgrounds. And we hope you can join us. All right. And uh, again, it is open to all. Yes. We've got a link for more information on our webpage. Again, uh, Nicole Coleman with Hancock County Veterans Services with us uh, this morning. Nicole, thanks very much for dropping by as Thank always. Thank you, Chris. Well, these are numbers that you may have heard before, according to the Small Business Administration, the SBA. When you spend $100 at your uh, big box store, about 15% uh, of that money, about $15 or so, uh, comes back into the local economy, recirculates through the local economy. When that same $100 is spent at a small business, nearly half of it recirculates into the local economy, about $48, a dramatic difference. And yet... Um, of the number of businesses that permanently closed because of the impacts of the pandemic, two-thirds, roughly, uh, were those small businesses that we can least afford to lose. Joining us this morning is Bill Brunel, co-founder of Independent We Stand. And, Bill, what can consumers do right now to help out these local businesses again for some of them it's too late for others they still have a very long road to recovery so how as consumers can we help uh, we have some great tips that uh, your listeners can start using today and one of them is uh, tell the world that you're ready to buy local go to independentwestand.org we have a great section where you can learn more about the importance of supporting locally owned businesses and then take the pledge. You'll see it. Take the pledge button right in the middle of the website. Take that pledge, and then you can share it on social media where you can tell your friends and families, coworkers, neighbors, whoever it may be, that you've decided to support those locally owned businesses that need our help so much. Secondly, we have a huge contest going on right now called the America's Main Street Contest. And where I'm standing right now is in Sykesville, Maryland. Downtown Sykesville actually won the contest last year, and the grand prize was $25,000. And they actually did that. They will say they won the contest in, in uh, June. They took the $25,000 and they helped their merchants deal with COVID. So it's very easy to do. It's an all online contest. When you go to the website, you'll see a huge banner that says nominate your favorite Main Street. Just click on that, fill it out, and vote, vote, vote. I will also tell you that Ohio has a fantastic Main Street program. And two of the previous winners were in Ohio, Historic Ashtabula Harbor and Wellington. So, uh, 
uh, nominate your favorite Main Street small business group uh, by local group, and it could win $25,000. Next thing to do is shift your mindset when it comes to shopping. Don't necessarily go to that big box store or uh, online and say shop Amazon. A small change in your spending patterns can have a huge impact. It's projected that if every family in America spent $10 more a month for 12 months at a locally owned business, it would generate $9.3 billion. That's billion with a B in local local impact. Secondly, look for local. You know, a lot of uh, chambers of commerce and buy local groups actually have online directories, and they'll tell you what the locally owned businesses are. We also have a great app that can be downloaded and used for free, the Independent We Stand app. And it's so simple to use, you could be downtown looking for a place to get a hamburger, but you want it to be a locally owned restaurant. You can type hamburger in there or burger or whatever it may be, and it'll show you all those locally owned restaurants. You know, and once you do that, it's important that you understand the impact. And you talked about it a little bit earlier, but three times more money returns to local communities when you support locally owned businesses. And in fact, two times more when you go to a local restaurant. So you can have a significant impact. And what that means is that money is recirculating in the local community, which means more uh, police, uh, more firemen, better pay for teachers, new schools, you name it. Remember, you are in charge of, of I mean, you're, you're earning these hard-earned dollars, and it's a great way to return it to the local you make such a good point. I want to go back and, and underscore underscore this because it's not just the amount of dollars that are recirculated into the local community, but the way those uh, dollars are recirculated into the community. Everything from you know supporting emergency services to sponsoring the local Little League baseball team. These are the core merchants that are a part of the community and really make the community hum. They really are. And these are folks that buy, uh, you know, uniforms for your local Little League team. They may serve on the school board. Right. They are invested in your local communities and they deserve all the support you can get. Now, as we mentioned, uh, you are co-founder of Independent We Stand. You mentioned the app that you have. Talk a little bit about what else uh, your organization does to help support these small entrepreneurs, these uh, Main Street entrepreneurs. Well, that's a great question. Independent We Stand was actually launched in 2011, so we're celebrating our uh, 10th anniversary. Um, our mission is really twofold. Educate, the first one is educate consumers about the importance of supporting locally owned businesses. And second, help small business owners who don't have huge marketing budgets compete with the big box stores and the national chains by helping them build their local brands. Thanks to our generous sponsors, including Steel, we actually offer a full suite of marketing materials, everything from social media graphics, point of sale materials, tools, tips, and resources to essentially help them build their local brands and stand out from the big box stores and national chains. And the best part is it's absolutely free. You sign up at independentlystand.org. And I would highly encourage any small business owners to do that today because those graphics, those marketing materials will really go a long way to help you build the local brand. Especially right now, again, as we mentioned, with so many of the small businesses still struggling to emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, those resources can be incredibly invaluable. And as you were mentioning earlier, that's also the same place where folks uh, can go and nominate their favorite Main Street, a couple of Ohio winners in the past, and we have certainly an awful lot of wonderful Main Streets uh, here in uh, the Buckeye State. You really do, right? and and every every winner that uh, we've had, I get to go there, and I absolutely fell in love with Ashtabula Harbor and Wellington. Uh, wonderful communities. You ever get a chance to go and visit because they've got their Main Street uh, business down great. We will link up to it on our webpage uh, so folks can check that out. Uh, again, Bill Brunell, co-founder of Independent We Stand, with us this morning talking about the importance of supporting small businesses across America, including in our own hometowns. Bill, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Great to be here. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. (laughs) Some people just cannot stay out of trouble. Jefferson County, Alabama, Matthew Williamson was just released from jail in connection with a charge of breaking into a vehicle and stealing property on September 17th, five days later. Police received a call on September 22nd of someone breaking into a concession stand and stealing a large quantity of snacks. Uh, 
So generally, the person you just released from jail for stealing property is going to be somebody that you suspect might have something to do with uh, with this. So Mr. Williamson, uh, police uh, went to check on on his whereabouts and found him the next morning laying on piles of chicken fingers, chips and candy. And of course, methamphetamine. <laughs> I don't think he got the meth from the concession stand, but the other stuff was consistent with the stuff that was stolen from the concession stand. He has been rearrested and taken back to jail. Presumably, at least he has someplace more comfortable to sleep than on piles of chicken fingers and chips and candy. <laughs> this is a story that's all kinds of weird. A Tennessee man is accused of taking his mother's body wrapped in a tarp to the hospital in another part of the state. But what he did along the way is just the Nashville Police Department says Thomas Henshaw Jr. of Chattanooga picked up his girlfriend early Saturday with a with a body believed to be that of his mother in his truck. He then uh, the two of them then drove to a VA medical center in Chattanooga Stopping along the way for food, coffee, and gas. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take mom to the VA, but we got to make a few stops first. When they uh, realized that the VA medical center in Chattanooga was closed, they then began driving to the uh, VA in Nashville. They arrived, arrived around 515, and Mr. Henshaw told the staff that his mother had committed suicide and that he, he had found her in a wooded area. Of Chattanooga, why he thought to bring her to the VA medical center if if she was already dead, I don't know. But uh, he also told his girlfriend the same story, but he later told police that he was right next to his mother when she committed suicide, when she shot herself. Officials still waiting on an autopsy report to make sure that the body is, in fact, his mother's and exactly how it is that she died. Meanwhile, Mr. Henshaw arrested on several charges, including failure to report the discovery of a deceased person and evidence tampering. <laughs> That's just all kinds of weird. That's just weird. <clears throat> I don't know that it's necessarily criminal. I guess in those respects, it would be criminal, but it's just weird. It's a group of girls were uh, fishing off of a bridge in uh, western Pennsylvania, and uh, they were shocked with what they found. They were fishing. They were magnet fishing. So I don't know how many fish you're going to get with a magnet, but they were fishing for whatever they could, I guess, fish out of the river. And they were shocked when they reeled in a hand grenade. The uh, girls believed the device was fake and brought it home, but then uh, parents ended up contacting police to make sure that it was, in fact, a a replica or a dud. Newcastle Police Chief Robert Salem tells local news reporters that and police uh, were called to the home shortly after midnight on Monday and ordered residents to leave their homes while they investigated the incident. The grenade, thankfully, turned out to be just a replica and not dangerous. But that could have been a very, very different outcome there. Crazy story. And finally, in the broken news this morning, imagine a pair of thieves so desperate that they were willing to commit a felony in order to keep a bird that they stole. Here's the story. It's out of Detroit. Lauren Seiler, age 30, and Christopher Urbanchek, age 37, stole a female parrot from a 63-year-old man and attempted to bamboozle police in order to keep the bird. It's worth roughly $2,500. Parents, uh, parrots are not cheap. It's worth uh, $2,500. Bo- so Ms. Seiler and Mr. Ubanchek uh, claimed that someone stole their bird. They told police a male acquaintance forced his way inside their home and snatched the bird before fleeing. The couple also claimed the assailant assaulted them as he made his escape. They also furnished a receipt of the expensive bird 
And Mr. Urbanchek even told police that they had 24 hours to handle the matter or he would handle it himself. So police, initially believing the story, posted to social media. And of course, as with any stolen pet story, uh, it, it took off on social media. So much so, in fact, that the accused thief turned himself in to the Macomb County Sheriff's Office claiming to be the bird's real owner and saying that he had loaned the parrot to the couple in order to breed it with uh, their male avian friend. Uh, He was arrested and the bird was seized after police swept the home. Thankfully, a family member found some documents proving that the bird was his and police reinspected the couple's paperwork, finding it was a forgery. So they got it straightened all out. But think about that. They borrowed uh, a friend's bird to breed it and then claimed it was their own and that he had stolen it from them. Ms. Seiler and Mr. Urbanchek were charged with a felony count of forgery and a misdemeanor count of lying to police. They face a maximum of 18 years in prison. So I don't know. Was it worth it? Tell me. There you go. That is uh, today's crazy story. Today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Road work, detours, traffic backups, and delays. It can get a little frustrating and confusing, but we can help keep you ahead of the game. This is WFIN News Director Matt Demchek. Just check out the traffic center at WFIN.com and you'll know where the trouble spots are in Findlay and Hancock County. Download Waze, use it whenever you're driving, and join our drive team to help inform others of traffic issues. The WFIN Traffic Center, powered by Waze, and available at WFIN.com. Coming up, we've got uh, more information on what's going on the month of October at the Hancock Park District. I mean, it is a great time to get out of doors. The cooler days, the changing of the leaves that is coming is an absolute great time to get out and explore the great outdoors. And that is actually the subject of today's daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Perhaps this is related to uh, studies uh, showing that people have been embracing the great outdoors more since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. But a new poll shows more than 60% of uh, individuals, 60% of Americans regret not doing doing so more when they were younger. 60% say they regret not spending more time in the great outdoors as children. This is a non-scientific poll, so we should mention that. 2,000 Americans, uh, the poll was sponsored by the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation, showed that 63% overall regretted not spending more time outside as kids. 63% was the exact number. And even though 31% say that uh, they are not too old to learn new skills, <laughs> you never can teach an old dog new tricks. Well, uh, 31% say that no, I can, I can learn new skills. 54% believe that they are too old to pick up outdoor activities like camping or fishing for fear they won't be good at them. Well, what is that all about? More than half also said that they did not have all the free time that they would think that they would need to become proficient at those activities. Of the activities that Americans most want to try outdoors, 36% want to go boating or hiking. 34% want to try camping and hiking for the first time. Uh, For those who did spend that quality time uh, outdoors in nature as children, 53% say they spent that treasured time with their mom and dad. 37% say that they did so with their grandparents. Um, Stephanie Vadalaro, the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Communications for the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation said in a statement, the beauty of outdoor activities, and I think this is so true, the beauty of outdoor activities, especially fishing and boating, because that's what they do, but the beauty of outdoor activities is that it is enjoyed by people of all ages, genders, and cultures. And uh, that is uh, certainly true. And despite the fact, I would say, I would just interject here, that despite 
the hesitation that you find in the poll of some people to actually go out and enjoy the great outdoors because they've never done it before and they don't know how you can do this. It doesn't take a great amount of skill to go hiking or go. No, you're not going to climb a mountain if you've never done it before, but to just go outside for a walk or go outside for a hike uh, or go camping for a weekend, pitch a tent. Anyone can do this. And now is a great time of the year to do it. Michelle Rumslag is here from the uh, Hancock Park District, and uh, we were saying just a, a moment ago uh, in the uh, daily download, we had the uh, survey, the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation, that uh, finds that uh, two-thirds of Americans regret not spending more time out of doors, especially when they were younger. And what a great time to get outdoors right, right. now. And and if there are people my age, you just lived outside. So I wonder what the age range, because it yeah, was like, you, Mom, go outside. Go go outside. You weren't allowed. <laughs> we could do Saturday morning cartoons when that was a thing, and then it'd be like, okay, you're you're done. And I'm not sure. Maybe it was because our parents didn't want to deal with us uh, that they just pushed us out the door. No, I we just I I we grew up on a few <laughs> acres. I mean, with my okay. brother, and it was just like go outside, and yeah. we did. We rode our bikes and just yeah made our own fun. We had a but sandbox were, and just. But again, they were talking in the, uh, about this. Uh, how many uh, people have have never been hiking and never been camping and never been you know to okay. do these things? So, if you have never done it before, <laughs> anyone can do this, and this is a great time to do it. There are a lot of places to go outside and discover in the parks. There is, and so um, HancockParks.com. I'll just start there. So that's our website, and it lists. There's a kind of a drop down screen that you can get into programs and facilities, but there's one that lists all of our parks mm-hmm. so you can get on there um i think the the one map is on there to show where they're all located throughout the county mm-hmm. so yeah we have i mean there's small like river access sites like east point and things like that mm-hmm. to obviously the larger parks like riverbend and litzenberg and and Erland and stuff so i'm always encouraging people i know people have their favorites but yeah go find something new or right. or, or get on there and go well i've never been there before let's go check it out and yeah. you know walk and, and you might it might become your new favorite and with the uh, cooler weather and uh, here before too long the leaves will start changing right it's, it's a great like, time Tim, fall is my favorite season and so yeah i think in about a, they're already starting to change um usually mid-october mm-hmm. i think around here this part of ohio is yeah. like peak season so yeah and at 70s i love that it was a little warm yesterday for me but i'm like you know what this might be the last 80 degree day we it might could have very well be yeah for absolutely. a while and so it's just Lace up those hiking boots and get out there. Yes, put on a sweater. I mean, that's like the perfect time to be outside. Absolutely. And take the kids and uh, just uh, discover the the parks. There are a number of things going on uh, in the parks in the month of October as well, if you need some inspiration. Right. So if you want, you said if you have those kids and been meaning to do something with them with those that preschool age kids. So we're happy that we're bringing back our Pioneer Tyke Hikes this year. So, of course, we paused a lot of things last year. So this is one that we're bringing back. This is happening actually next Monday already, October 4th. And this is, we've done this program as long as I've been around. And I think even previous for me coming. And it's just a neat idea, a way to show, again, those younger kids kind of life of a pioneer. And we it's like helping with pioneer chores. So they get to visit the activity barn and look at the cool murals that are there. But then they get to work with corn and corn shelling and grinding. We get out our cider press. So they see, you know, we talk about apples and how that all works and how we get to put a little piece of apple on the, the cider press and we, pre- we press. It cool. might get a few drips coming out. but <laughs> um, And then they get to take a tour of the house and they get to churn butter. Um, there's no cost. We do it 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock, just meet at the gatehouse. And this kind of takes the place of our usually discovery story for those age kids mm-hmm. that, that we do at the Discovery Center. So this will be taking place. Um, actually, we do this program all week. We have kindergarten classes, preschools, daycares come out. So, again, it was one that we had to kind of pause last year. So we are excited to bring that back. So we're offering times 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock. No registration. We are back to no registration. <laughs> I love that. Um, on Monday, October 4th. So hopefully, okay. I mean, today would weather today would be perfect. Would be perfect, week. yeah. So absolutely. that'll be taking place. So circle that next, on the calendar. What else Monday. is going on in the month of October? Well, again, excited to bring back our Autumn Fest program. So this is our large fall fest that we have going on. It takes place at Lissenberg Memorial Woods. Um, 
It's Saturday, October 16th. So normally it's that third Saturday. We like to keep some of our big things those same weekends. So it's just something everybody can plan on. Um, of course, we had to pause it last year. Um, and then this is going to be the second year that we're doing it in conjunction with the uh, the planner paint out. So we have the planner paint out happen throughout most of the year mm-hmm. um, at our different parks during the week. And so this uh, it worked really well a couple of years ago. So that'll take place. Registrations at nine o'clock to ten at the barn, and so people come out and paint, draw, sketch, charcoal, just different areas of Litzenberg, and then they'll be for viewing in the barn. So it worked well with people coming to visit Autumn Fest, watching the artists kind of do their craft, and then and it's amazing. I can't do that type of thing. <laughs> I can talk about nature, but I just yeah. can't draw and do that. So I'm just in awe of of how they can pull everything together. So that'll be taking place also the same time, Saturday, October 16th at okay. Lutzenberg. All so right. we're going to have horse-drawn hayrides. Um, the Dulcimer Gathering, part of their group will be there to give music. Um, kids' activities, the house will be open. So awesome. I, I, again, if it's like 70 and sunny, that would even be cooler, oh, that would be perfect. Yeah. No, rain, we've had to deal with rain. Hopefully it won't be too hot. Um, many more things. but And then also look into it. If you are a... Um, maker of pumpkin pies. This year we're gonna have a pumpkin pie contest. Oh so my goodness! Two years ago it was apple pie, and oh my gosh, I had a taste of the winner two years ago. It was delicious. So we're like, so after my heart, right there. Oh, my son's yummy. like, can I be a judge? My son, <laughs> that is his birthday cake. It's pumpkin pie. Pumpkin so pie. there you go. If you bake, uh, more information is on our website of how to do that. Okay, bring it in. That'll be great. How we're judging it and everything. So, so. anything else real quickly uh, in the uh, month of October that we need to uh, highlight here? Just We're still doing our self-guided flow trips. Okay. That's available online, $10 a person for single kayaks or canoes. Um, you just need to register by the Friday before. So, okay. if you want to go out this weekend by 4.30, get on, register. Um, and again, we do that through the middle of, October, of November. So, if you can't do this weekend... I mean, again, as that fall color comes out, it gets a little cooler. It's yeah. a great time to be be on the water. So just look for dates on those. Um, again, HancockParks.com. All right. A lot of uh, stuff going on in the month of October. As we said, a great time to get out and enjoy the uh, beauty of nature and in all of her fall color glory uh, here in a couple of weeks, especially. Again, Michelle Rimschlag from the Hancock Park District with us uh, once again this morning. Michelle, thanks very much for dropping by. Thanks for having me. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests, of course, for joining us on the program. Remember, as always, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage and goodmornings.net is our little corner of the World Wide Web. So check that out. Coming up tomorrow, as expected, Ohio's redistricting maps are facing a court challenge, and there is more at stake than just the future makeup of the state legislature. Until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.